Welcome to the Living Savior Sermon Webcast. We invite you to join us here for our worship service every Sunday at 10 a.m. Find out more at lsavior.org. Thank you for joining us today. He was way up there in the community of Capernaum. When God's people would gather to hear the word of God, he had the most honored seat right up in the front. He decided who read the scripture lessons and what those scripture lessons would be. He decided who, who led the prayers, who preached. He was in charge of the finances of the synagogue and, and, the, and the upkeep of the building. In a community like Capernaum, there was quite a divide between the Jewish people and the Gentile people. When the Gentiles had something they needed to communicate to the Jewish people, they would talk to him. Synagogue leader, synagogue ruler, VIP, way up there. But when we first meet him, he's, he's not way up there, not at all. There were these crowds of people that were gathered around Jesus, and, and as he made his way to his objective, he's doing the absolutely, please, let me through, let me through, can I, can I get through here, please, 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 I've got to get to him. And, and then when he reaches his objective, and he's standing before the, before the great teacher, he drops to his knees. And then he goes flat on his face, and he starts begging. But why not? His 12-year-old daughter is suffering from a terrible illness, and nothing's working. So I, I imagine he, uh, he, he, you know, when she first is, is not feeling well, he finds someone with nursing skills up the street and he brings her in and, and then he, he gets the well-known physician from another town and he, he, he brings him in and he, he's, he tries the family remedies and he prays and he prays and she's not getting better. So he's down low. He's desperate. Facing the dirt, he pleads with Jesus, my daughter is dying, please come. Please come and put your hands on her, as I've seen you do with others, that she may be healed and live. And St. Mark tells us, Jesus went with him. Jesus went with him. That little line is worth repeating, especially when or if you've been brought low. Like a family member, somebody that you dearly love and they're not getting better and you've tried everything and they've tried everything and they're still not getting better. And they're in pain. And the doctor's starting to wonder about just how long they will live. Jesus, at those times, when you beg, when you plead, he not only hears your prayers and honors them, but he goes with you. 
he goes with you with the assurance that he will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. He goes with you with the promise that your Father in heaven who feeds the birds of the air and clothes the flowers of the field, how much more will he not take care of you, O you of little faith? Matthew chapter 6. When you're down and someone you love is suffering, maybe dying, he goes with you omnipotent and omniscient. Remember those words? They're combined in him. He goes with you all-powerful, the Son of God, fully capable of all things, and all-knowing, knowing if and when healing and getting better would be the best outcome for that person that you love. Although are the, are the realists going to rob you of that comfort? So Jesus goes with Jairus and the two of them are, are, are making their way back to Jairus' house, but there's other people. There's other people that have loved ones who are dying and there's other people who, who are, are looking for healing and there's other people who, who are blind or deaf and, and they're looking for sight and, and, and hearing from him. There's others and, and they're, they're crowding around the Lord Jesus. You've maybe seen video of, that, of, of what can happen in, in places that are, are ravaged by war and famine. The, the Red Cross truck shows up and the doors of the truck are opened up and they're handing out food and suddenly there's all these people and they're, they're pressing around the truck and they're, they're pushing one another and they're grasping because they're starving and they need the food. At least one of the eyewitnesses describes that scene in the very same way. Says that as Jesus and Jairus were making their way to Jairus' home, the crowd was nearly crushing Jesus. So Jairus is, he's getting desperate. It's taken too long. And the, the minutes are going by, and maybe the hours are going by, and my, my daughter is dying, and then we gotta, we got to get there, Jesus. And then he sees a contingent of his neighbors, and they're, they're up the street, and they're elbowing their way through the crowd, and they're right in front of them, and one of them puts his hand on Jairus' shoulder, and he says, your daughter has died. Why bother the teacher any longer? Your daughter's died. The, 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 the kind of thing that the realists say that maybe can shake you up. You, you know the realists that will say to you, yeah, you're, you're Jesus by your side, I get it. He makes you feel better about things. And you're Jesus, he's got these writings that help you deal with evil in the world and, and do what's good. And, and you're Jesus by your side. He, yeah, he tells these things about angels so that you can sleep better at night. But come on, when somebody has died, when someone has died, when a little girl has died, your loved one has died, what can your Jesus do then? Do you think Jairus was shook up a bit when the neighbors said that to him? Why bother the teacher any longer? 
I get shaken up a bit once in a while when somebody brings their worldly wisdom and their worldly perspective and challenges me for these, 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 these things of Christ and things of God. When that happens, when you hear those words, don't let it shake you up because Jesus speaks a greater reality, a truer reality, a more real reality. His words to Jairus and his words to you, don't be afraid. When your loved one has died, don't be afraid, just believe. And he's not saying just believe in fairy tales. And he's not believe, saying just believe in your believing or put your faith in your faith. He's saying put your faith in me, in Jesus. When your grandpa or your father has died, just believe in Jesus, that he speaks the all-powerful word. He spoke it at the beginning, creating life, when there was no life, and he's going to speak the powerful word at the end, creating life when there is no, where there is no life. When your spouse has died, just believe in Jesus, who is himself the resurrection and the life that whoever believes in him will live even though he dies. When your child dies, just believe in Jesus, Son of God, that with God all things are possible. The crowd in, in the, on the streets of Jerusalem, eventually it got to the point Jesus sent the crowds away. And then it's just, it's just he and Jairus, and three disciples that Jesus brought along, and now they're making their way through the streets more quickly, and they turn the corner, and they, and they, and they go into Jairus' home, and, and, and there it is. The, the public grieving has already begun. Americans, we, we grieve the death of a loved one rather quietly. We, we put on the dark clothes, and we, 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 we dim the lights, and, and we... We speak in hushed tones about the departed. Tears quietly going down the cheeks. In Jesus' part of the world then and even now, it's not that way. It's a loud public thing. It's, it's bringing out the drums and the cymbals and banging the drums and clashing the cymbals and playing flutes and, and, and having people ask, actually asking people to wail as loudly as they can maybe collapse on the ground. The, the, the customs of grieving change in, from one part of the world to the other, but the cause is always the same. It's about loss. It's about tragic loss. Tragic, heartbreaking loss. Jesus puts his finger on something for those loud, wailing mourners. He says, why, why all this commotion? The, the child is not dead, but asleep. They laugh at him, but he means it. 
For an all-powerful God, for his son Jesus, death is like a sleep because there's going to be a waking up. And for that little girl, he knew there was going to be a waking up very soon. He finally does what maybe you and I were doing. He pushes all of, the, all of the people banging on the drums and the cymbals and playing the flutes and wailing. He pushes them out of the house and he closes the door. And, and now it's quiet there and there are six there. There's Jesus and, and Peter, James, and John. And there's, there's Jairus, the father, and, and the little girl's mother. And they go into the room where the little girl is, is lying there still. And he walks up to her and he, he takes her by the hand, St. Mark tells us. And he speaks two words and she's up. She's awake. She's alive. And like any 12-year-old, she can't sit still. She starts walking around the house as if, as if, Nothing has happened. Later on in the account of, of St. Mark, in one of the later chapters, he, he, he records for us Jesus' words about what's going to happen on the last day. Jesus said, on the last day, the sun will no longer give its light and, and the moon will be dimmed and the stars will start falling from the sky. And then he says, people, all people, will see the Son of Man, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, coming on the clouds with power and great glory. And, he says, he will send forth his angels and they will gather his chosen ones from the four winds from the ends of the earth to the ends of the sky. When I say the words of a Christian creed, the words, I believe in the resurrection of the dead, that's, that's one of the things that comes to mind, that promise of Jesus. Or, or when you say the words of another Christian creed, we, we believe in the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come, maybe that picture is in your mind as well. But how about the one in this event? Couldn't the same picture also be in your mind, in mine? The Lord Jesus coming to that person who has died maybe years and years ago, and he stands by the body, the lifeless body, and he speaks his all-powerful word, and they are now alive. And they are glorified. They are perfected. And they're speaking his praises, the praises of, of their only Savior. And they're talking to you about this reunion that is beginning to take place. And they're going with you, with their Savior, into the heavenly home where there is no more death or mourning or crying or, 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 or mourning for the old order of things has passed away. Couldn't that also be on your mind when you say those words in the creed? In, in my few months here at Living Savior, quite a number of you have told me about someone that you have lost in death. It, it just comes up. Uh, a husband or a wife of so and so many years that passed away. A grandpa. Uh, son, a daughter. 
some of those that talk about their private grieving will say it never completely goes away. Maybe for some of you, there are, there are days where the emotions are kind of on an even keel and then something triggers a memory and there's the empty feeling in the stomach and the lump in the throat and, and the loneliness of what once was is no longer. I've actually had Christians, including a couple of you, apologize and say, I know we're not supposed to grieve like this, but nothing could be farther from the truth. Jesus wept after the death of his friend Lazarus. He who was without sin grieved openly. Death is a terrible thing, and it can shake up your world and shake your heart to the core for, for weeks and months and, and maybe years. But the Savior Jesus is greater than death, and his word is more powerful than death. Can I, can I read you again the lament, the lamentation that we saw in that first lesson? I, I just want to read to you part of this. So the, the writer is a believer as you are. He has heard the word of God. And though he, he recognizes the yoke of death and how it presses hard, he has marvelous things to say which you can say. Lamentations chapter 3. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed by grief, consumed by death. For his compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, Lord. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those who hope in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion. So great is his unfailing love. So great, right? The Christ Jesus who died for us rose from the grave and continues as living Savior to show compassion to those who suffer losses. He shows faithfulness to all of his promises, including that promise of the final resurrection. He shows love to those who wait for him for that great and ultimate salvation that's going to occur on the last day. When you grieve, how about this? Grieve with the, the writer of the Lamentations. Grieve in faith. And remember what Jairus experienced. The Lord Jesus, at the time of his great difficulty, goes with him as he also goes with you. And he tells him and he tells you, don't be afraid, just believe in me. And then he proves what's going to happen what's going to happen on that last great day which scripture says is coming soon. He will speak to those who have died in faith, wake them up, and gather them together also with you. Let that be your comfort. And let that be your joy. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our sermon webcast. 
I'm Pastor Caleb Kerbis. To discuss today's sermon or to discover more about our ministry, visit our website at lsavior.org. Thank you again for joining us, and may God bless your day.